You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe Sula discusses the story of Joseph, the man to whom Mary, the mother of Jesus, was betrothed. Titled The Forgotten Man of Christmas, this message explains why it is important to remain faithful to God's call even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, welcome to church. If it's your first time, we're Every Nation. I'm one of your leaders here. My name is Joe. And today, since this is our last time here in this facility for the year, we are going to end it with our Christmas message. And our, the title of our message today is The Forgotten Man of Christmas. As we come closer to Christmas, we will study what the Bible reveals about this man called Joseph, the husband of Mary. You know, Joseph's role is unique, for it was Joseph who saw the Savior born into the world. I had the privilege of holding for the very first time my grandchild, and it was just a joy holding that tiny little baby in your hands, cradling him in your arms. Can you just imagine the privilege that Joseph had carrying and cradling in his arms baby Jesus? That must have been something really great. And being the head of the family, that reared Jesus from his infancy to his adulthood is something really magnificent. It was Joseph who taught him probably how to walk and, you know, holding hands with Jesus, embracing him while they were playing. He was the one who taught him the craft of carpentry. But there's not much written in the Bible about Joseph, very, very little. But what we discover here is Joseph is a man whom you and I would do well to follow. And we'll talk about that in the next few slides. Let's go to the chapter in the Bible that talks about Joseph. Just about seven verses. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, it's about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Most of what we discover, read about Joseph, can be found in those seven verses in the Bible. The second time that Joseph was referred to was in Luke, when they were looking for Jesus, or when he got lost in the temple. Now, what was Joseph's relationship with Mary? They were in love with each other. They were betrothed. They were engaged to be married. Remember, Mary was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. When the angel appeared to Mary, as accounted in Luke, the angel Gabriel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you His grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. 
let this happen to me as you say. But Joseph didn't know about this virgin conception, this, this, this immaculate conception. It was customary for Jews to be betrothed or engaged 10 months or 12 months before the actual marriage. And this relationship, this engagement or betrothal is so important, it's so sacred that if one commits adultery, that's punishable by death. You can imagine the tension here. Mary is supposed to tell the man he's engaged to that I'm pregnant, but it's not of you. Can you imagine the dilemma that Mary had at that time? Verse 19, and her husband Joseph being a just man. Now, I just want to stop here for a while. A just man, this phrase can only be found 10 times in the Bible. Five times it was referring to particular individuals. The first one was Noah. He was called the just man. The second was John the Baptist, Cornelius. Jesus was referred to as a just man by the wife of Pontius Pilate and Joseph. So only five. Joseph was called the just man, which describes his spiritual relationship and standing before God. Being a just man, Joseph wanted to do the right thing. And what's the right thing to do? He had two options. The first option that he had when he found out that Mary was pregnant and probably had been unfaithful to him and committed adultery was to report Mary to the magistrate and expose her to the public and probably face the consequence of her adultery. Adultery is a heinous crime. You know, in Egypt, they cut off the nose of the adulterer. In Persia, they cut off the nose and the ears. In Judea, adultery is punishable by death by stoning. That's the first option that Joseph had. The second option is to privately divorce her. This is a very difficult situation. Mary was innocent, but Joseph was not convinced of Mary's innocence. But here's the puzzling part of the story. Why didn't the angel tell Joseph beforehand or immediately after he found out about the conception? And the Bible didn't mention how long it took for Mary to conceive and for her to tell Joseph about her being pregnant. And you can just imagine what was going on through the mind of Joseph. God allowed Joseph, and the Bible says, to think of it, to ponder on it, to conceive it. He permitted him to be immersed in this emotion of doubt, this emotion of disappointment. How could you have done this to me? Why do you think God allowed Joseph to go through that? Because he wanted to test his heart. He wanted to develop his character because God was preparing him to fit him for the role that he has for his life. Joseph was kind and tender. He said he was unwilling to put her to shame. In other verses, he didn't want to disgrace Mary, so he resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph loved Mary so much. He knew in his heart that Mary probably has done something really abominable, and that was to be unfaithful to him. But he chose not to expose Mary to the public and just divorce her quietly. Now, let's stop for a while and examine what these verses are teaching us. Short verses, but it packs a lot of lessons. Everything that we do 
And remember this, everything that we do should be done in love. Most of the time we are faced with balancing our being right, our being righteous with love. Remember, the second part of the verse says, unwilling to put her to shame, not wanting to disgrace Mary. I think this is an important character of Joseph that we need to see. Not only was he a righteous man, but he was so sensitive and caring about Mary. Remember, at this point, Joseph still believes that Mary was unfaithful, right? But then, he didn't drag her out in the streets. You know that account in John chapter 8 when the scribes and the Pharisees caught a woman in adultery? They dragged her to the streets to be stoned. He didn't do that. Joseph instead secretly planned to divorce her or divorce her secretly and send her away. You know, Joseph was a righteous man. He was a just man. He wanted to do the right thing, and that is to uphold his holy and righteous family, standard for his family. But he also cared about Mary, and he didn't want Mary to go through the streets and put to public shame. He had both a balance of holiness, holiness and love, of godly standards and sensitivity and concern for Mary. Most of us, many times, fall into the trap of self-righteousness. It's like, I'm better than you, I'm kinder than you, I'm more forgiving than you, I'm holier than you. We often see replies on Facebook when someone happens to some, some person or someone posts something on Facebook, and it's a good thing I wasn't brought up that way. How could he done, have done that? How could she have done that? Going back to the adulteress who was dragged into the streets to be stoned, Jesus said, this is what he said, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Don't fool yourself into believing that you are holier than anyone else. We are all sinners who are all tempted to do evil. And there's no room for us to look down on anyone else's sin. Not because sin is wrong, remember this. Not because sin is wrong, but because we know that we are sinners too. And it's not by our righteousness, but by God's grace that we are saved through Jesus Christ. There is no reason for Christians to look down on the sin of other people, as if we could have not sinned. We know we already have sinned. The reason that we accepted Jesus Christ and that that moment when we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we said, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I am a sinner. Forgive me. It doesn't mean that their sin is not wrong. It just means that we do not judge them because we ourselves are sinners. We are always reminded to look at the plank in our own eyes before we point out the speck in someone else's eyes. Jesus said to the adulterous woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's a tragedy that a lot of us confess that we love Jesus, but our love for other people is based on how we feel for them. Today, we are being reminded to see people the way Jesus sees them, with love and with compassion. Love is not just about standing for the truth, but also it's about grace. Love is learning to live in the fullness of both grace and truth. 
The Bible says you can have all the riches in the world. You can have all the spiritual gifts. You can prophesy. You can be intelligent. You can be the best at what you do. But if you do not have love, you are nothing. Some of us need to learn that God's word must not be compromised regardless of who the person is. But we have to uphold God's standards in our lives with a broken heart, just like God upheld His standards for us with a broken heart, with love and compassion, sending His only Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can restore our relationship. Our relationship with God can be restored. But most of us stand with a sense of self-righteousness when we look at other people's sin. And God showed me a picture of a balance this morning while I was thinking about this preaching. And I realized all of us carry a balance every day. The other side of the balance refers to the people and the situations we encounter. The other side of the balance is how we respond to these people and the circumstances. It is always a test of character. The reason why you experience difficulties in your life, the reason why you have an obnoxious office mate, the reason why you have a difficult husband, a nagging wife, or an irritable husband, or a difficult child, or an impossible neighbor is because God wants to test your character. He wants us to endure our suffering so that we can persevere, and because of that perseverance, our character will be developed. It's always a test of character. The moment you are in front of a situation where you feel that you are suffering because of what another person is doing in your life, God is looking at your balance and how you would respond to it. Are you going to respond to it with a self-righteous attitude, I'm better than you are? Or are you going to respond with love and compassion towards that person? And it's always a challenge. The second lesson that we learned from this story is the lesson of obedience. In verse 23, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Every instance in Joseph's life that we read in the Bible is about obedience. In verse 19, determined that Joseph was going to obey the law, he had to send Mary away because that's the right thing to do, to divorce her. He was obedient. Then when the angel told him to take Mary as his wife, the only reason that Mary would be pregnant in all of human history was if she was unfaithful. And the angel said, marry her. What did Joseph do? He married Mary. He became obedient despite the objection that was going on in his mind. This is not my baby. This is not possible. Remember at this time, you know, before this happened, Joseph didn't know that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In verse 24, he says, He awoke and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. In verse 25, he called his name Jesus as he was instructed to. Joseph was obedient. And as you read into Matthew chapter 2, you see that he was still obeying God after the Magi came and, you know, all the angels appeared. Jesus was born in a manger. 
an angel told him to get up and take Jesus and Mary to Egypt because King Herod was going to attempt to kill the child. And in verse 14, it says, Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. Joseph was obedient. Then after Herod died, remember, Joseph was told by God to take Jesus back to Israel. And this is what Joseph did. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. And then he was again warned by God in a dream and said, Go to Judea. And he left the region of Galilee and, go to and went to Nazareth, which ended up fulfilling the scripture that Christ would be called the Nazarene. Obedience to Joseph was something that he did not compromise as far as relationship with God is concerned. We have to be obedient even if what God is telling us to do is difficult. If you find that traveling with an infant is difficult these days, you could just imagine Joseph and Mary traveling with baby Jesus in the desert. A lot of people complain, you know, you have to put up the pram and stuff like that. You could just imagine how difficult it was for Joseph to travel. And he traveled from, from Egypt to Israel to Judea, and he was just obedient. Wherever God wants him to go, he goes. Joseph did not understand about what was happening with Mary and what God had planned for him, but he just obeyed. There are going to be things in our life that we do not understand, but we hear in our hearts that God is saying, you have to do this. You have to go here, but our commitment needs to be like this. We just have to obey. If God's words say, do it, then we do it. You do not negotiate with God. You do not compromise with God. You just say, Lord, I'll do it. Even if I don't understand, even if it's difficult, even if I have to cross the desert with a little baby swaddled in my arms, I will, if that's what you want me to do. And God's grace is sufficient to keep you in your journey. God will provide you the resources. God will provide you the provision, the money, the people that you need, and everything that go with you so that you can complete the journey that God has called in your life. You just have to obey. And again, just like Joseph, we need to learn that when we obey God, we do not say, God, yes, tomorrow I'll do it. God, I'll just wait for my race to come and I'll, you know, start being active in church again. And maybe, God, when I get my schedule right, then I can go and attend the meetings. If Joseph delayed going out of Egypt, then he could have sacrificed the life of Jesus and Mary. How many times do we have to pay the price before we say, Lord, okay, now I obey. We have to wait for God to teach us a lesson before we obey. When God shows you something in His Word, you should obey it immediately, not later. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Obeying God is not just a matter of thinking, yes, God, I will do it tomorrow. You need to be faithful and obey Him today. Today is the only day that you have to obey God. Soon I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Maybe after I get this, or maybe if I have this much money, when I move to a better place, if I go to Australia, or I'll do it, Lord. No, you have to do it today. Today is God's appointed time. Today is the day. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You know, God gave us the commands not to punish us. God's commands are there to keep us on the right path. 
But we chose to sin, to depart from God's word in disobedience. And because of that, He sent His only Son. And by the sacrifice He did on the cross, we were brought back in reconciliation with God. So if you really say that you know Jesus, you do not have any reason to disobey. If you claim that you know Jesus, you cannot say, I don't want to do it, Lord. It's either that or you don't probably know Jesus at all. We have to follow the Lord because first, we know that His commands and what He wants us to do are for our best. Second, we have to be grateful because He brought Jesus Christ to our lives. And third, we obey God not because we are afraid, we obey God because we love Him. You aren't saved by your obedience, not by anything that you do or the works of your hand. But if you are really saved, you are going to obey. Obedience is the most important sign that you are a Christian. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I ask you to do? You do not do what I say. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. The lesson that we learn, we look at the manger, we've heard about the three kings, a lot of stuff have been talked about Mary, but this guy over here, we know so little of him. Just seven verses in the Bible that tells us who he is. Those seven powerful verses tell us that our life is a test of character, especially when we are asked to deal with other people. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.